Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. Thank you, guys, ladies. Well, it's my pleasure today to have a very, very good friend of mine, Aaron Santmeyer. Aaron, come on up. Let's give Aaron a warm City Reach welcome. I've known Aaron probably for, I think, 13, 14 years now. And, you know, I would say this publicly because I I probably don't know another guy that walks more in humility and integrity than this man. He uh, he's very intelligent, very well read, very uh, has a dynamic walk with the Lord. But this is you know you can only test integrity over time, and I can tell you that season in season out, this guy walks with God, and he has a word for us today, which I'm very excited to hear. And uh, he says that uh, God's given a word just for our church, so we're we're really excited to hear that, Aaron. Uh, if you don't know, Aaron's an Assemblies of God missionary, and he and his wife are uh, head up Africa for pastoral care for, actually missionaries struggle sometimes, can you believe that? <laughs> and uh, Aaron and his wife have been missionaries, I, I think in, is it Burkina Faso? That's right. And yeah. then also in Madagascar, yep. uh, which I was in Madagascar, I think in 2014 with Aaron. That's right. Great story about Aaron. So one day, we, uh, I'm in Madagascar, and he says, we're going to go preach to this church. I said, okay. So we get down the street, and I said, did it rain here? Now, we're in the main city. I think it's Antananarivo, yeah. the capital city. And I said, the streets are wet. Did it rain? He goes, no, that's the sewage. I was like, oh, okay. So as I am gingerly walking <laughs> on the cobblestones to get to the sidewalk, Aaron graciously opens the back door of the van to get the sound equipment out. And wouldn't you know it, about that time, somebody comes and hits a big pothole full of you-know-what, and it just goes all over Aaron. And he doesn't get upset. He's like, hey, just another day in Madagascar. <laughs> Off we go. But that's the kind of guy he is. He just rolls with whatever. You got to. So we're, uh, we're super excited to hear from you today. And God bless you, and we're, we're looking forward to it. It's an honor to be here. Honor to be here. Thank you, Fred, for inviting me, and uh, love being back here, and uh, just the, the opportunity to share with God's Word, and um, this is a message that I'm going to share today that I've preached on this text in the past, and um, honestly, in the last few days, it's just, uh, I don't know, it's, it's come back, and um, there's specific areas that I really believe God has given us for this morning. Not that I've never preached this text, never preached on the, the Jacob, but specifically for this church this morning, I really believe there's specific things that God has for us. And so I'm, I'm excited. My wife and kids are not with me today. They're in North Carolina visiting my, uh, my in-laws, um, Heather and Josiah and Isabel, and uh, they're getting big and I'm getting old. And that seems to be the, the progress of life. And uh, we've made the tra- transition to Kenya, which has been exciting and also challenging at the same time. And um, it's... Uh, it's been, yeah, it's been fun. I'm uh, losing hair, and uh, what I have is turning gray. And so it's uh, evidently a little bit stressful. But, um, but it's an honor, honor to be with you here today. Have you ever been in a crisis or a difficult situation? And um, have you ever been in a situation where it was just, you didn't see the way out, and it was almost, you didn't know what to do? For me, that was in 2014. Um, it's very similar. I flew back to Madagascar to be with um, a visitor who'd come 
my wife and kids were flying on a plane. And, um, and so, you know, my job is the husband is just to arrive at the airport and pick your family up. Easy job, you know. And so we only live about five minutes from the airport. And so I hear the plane, um, you know, doing its approach. And so that's the, the cue for me to wake up and drive to the airport. And I'm on the way to get to the, to get to the airport, and um, I get a message from Heather. Now, she's breaking, obviously, laws because she's not supposed to be texting from the air at that time. And um, she messaged me and says, We're, uh, don't come to the airport. There's a problem. And I'm like, oh, come on. You know, what is going on? You know, I'm late. I was late. I admit I was late getting there. And I'm like, you know, what's happening because I'm late? And um, the next thing I get, and I said, I'm coming, I'm coming. The next thing I get is, don't come, I love you, boom. So I leave my house, and I near, when I get to the airport, the, the plane comes around and starts to go on its descent um, to land. So it's a seven, it's a, I think it was an Airbus, so huge plane. And um, 400 people on the plane gets ready to descend. Well, it gets down, and there's people that have manned the runway to prevent the plane from landing. And so the next thing is, I see that plane begin to, it's shuddering as it tries to pull up. Well, those planes are not supposed to come down and up like this. They're supposed to go down and stay down. And so that plane begins to shudder, and there's nothing. And then the plane disappears into the middle of the night, and I have no clue where my wife is and where my kids are at. So what do I do? I get on Air France. I call Air France and say, hey, listen, um, the plane was supposed to land. I saw it come down. I saw it take off. What's going on? Now, this was the same summer that the plane was lost in the Malaysia plane that went down. There was a plane that went down in Brazil. And I'm thinking, what is going on with my wife and my kids? So I call, you know, the French, they're not the greatest, they're great at maybe cuisine, but customer service is not necessarily one of their giftings and talents. And they're like, well, we can't tell you anything. We can't confirm or deny, blah, 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 blah. And so I'm like, we're not getting anywhere. So this is now like 2 a.m. in the morning. So I thought, well, I'll call an American company because we're, I do believe Americans, we're a little bit better at customer service. And I knew that Delta, if you call Delta, they won't hang up on you until you say you're satisfied with the answer they've given you. And so, um, and so I called the lady to explain it to her, and she says, we, the same thing, we can't confirm or deny. And I said, well, I'm not going to hang up. I said, because I don't accept the answer that you've given me. I'm not satisfied with your customer service. And uh, she said, we went back and forth for about two hours. And she's like, you know, we're never going to get anywhere if you don't agree to hang up. And I said, I'm from West Virginia. I'm bullheaded. I'm not hanging up till I know where my wife and kids are at. And um, the lady says, well, long story, long story. And there I was. That was my crisis in 2014. But today we're going to look at a different crisis, and we're going to look at the crisis in the life of Jacob. Now, Jacob is a, a biblical character that we see in the Bible, somebody that we can learn from, not necessarily somebody that we want to model our life after. And so there Jacob is. Um, you know, I, I like to preach about Jacob because if you want to learn about deception, jealousy, manipulation, Jacob's a great example. Um, you know, he, he seemed to utilize a lot of those things. So before we get to a prayer of a man in crisis, I just want to kind of get us to the point to where he's at this crisis point. So we see in Genesis chapter 25, we have Jacob. He's there. You know, there's Jacob, there's Esau. He has his brother. And Jacob shows jealousy. What does he want? He wants the birthright. Esau's hungry. Esau sells his birthright. And Jacob manipulates his brother to get what he wants. And we see that jealousy because there was something that his brother had that he wanted. And so he, he sees his brother no longer as his brother, but as an object to overcome so he can have what he wants. 
And we see that in Genesis 25. Then we get to Genesis 27, and um, Jacob is once again uh, at work, and so he deceives his father Isaac so that he can get the blessing from his father. You know that story very well. The sm- he puts on the... The different, the fur, and the, and he makes himself smell like his brother, and he presents himself as his brother. His father blesses him, and then Esau, and rightfully so, is upset. He's angered. He's frustrated because there, his brother Jacob has once again deceived to get what he wants, and Esau's frustrated. And we see in verse forty-one that he says, "What? I'm going to kill my brother." My father's getting ready to die. When my father dies, I'm going to kill my brother. I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. Well, Jacob's mom hears about this. She doesn't want her her favorite son. I don't know if you grew up in a family. Maybe there was a favorite child. Parents say they don't have favorite children, but sometimes they do. And, um, and, and he was definitely the favorite child, and she didn't want him to be killed by Esau. So what she, she makes something up and says he needs to go to an, another land to find a wife. So he sends the father, he convinces the father. Isaac says, yes, we'll send him away. So he sends him away to go find a wife. This is where the story really gets more interesting if it hasn't been interesting enough. And so Jacob goes away. As he's going away, he sees this, this woman. He says, wow, she's beautiful. Rachel, I want to marry Rachel. She's beautiful. She's lovely. But somehow, in one of the most head-scratching events in the Bible, in my opinion, um, he marries Rachel, but ends up sleeping with the Leah, her sister. And how that happened, I don't know. The wine must have been flowing, and he must have not know what was going on. But he sleeps with the wrong sister on his wedding night, and now he has he has Leah. And the father says, "No, we'll give you Rachel." And this is all in the Bible. So if you you don't need to watch Netflix, if you don't, if you this is a real real what ha- what happened in the Bible. And so here here we have this once again. Jacob, he begins to manipulate. He's, he's now been in this situation. And then what happens then? He has two wives and then they each want to have children and they, some can't have children. Some do have children. So they begin to offer mixed other women into this story so that they can have children and their wives are bringing other women into the relationship so they can have more children. It's in the Bible. And so there he is. Jacob is having multiple children by multiple women with the blessing of his wives. And um, Jacob is in this situation and uh, he, he begins to realize that he wants, he wants material wealth. And so he goes to his father-in-law and he makes a deal with his father-in-law, manipulates that situation once again to have physical blessings in that. And maybe you would say he's a wise businessman. I don't know. But he, to me, seemed a little bit manipulative. And uh, he gets a huge blessing. Then the father-in-law, he's mad because now Jacob's got all this stuff and he feels betrayed and he doesn't know what to do. So then Jacob says, I got to get out of here. I got to get away from this situation. Once again, he's fleed from Esau. Now he's fleeing from his father-in-law. And we get to this point. He flees. And there he is, and we get to Genesis chapter 32. So Genesis chapter 32, and we're going to read um, verses 9 through 11. And this is the prayer that this man Jacob prays as he's on the run, as he's scared, he's in crisis, he prays. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, go back to your country and to your relatives, and I will make you prosper. We see that. That was in Genesis um, uh, I think it was 31, 13 or 3 that he says that. That's when God promises to go back, when he's on the run, go back to this land, and God promises that he will take care of him. So verse 10, I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. 
Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. Father, we thank you for what we can learn from the life of Jacob. Father, maybe someone here today is in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a complex situation. Maybe, in, maybe they're lonely, maybe they're weary, maybe they're tired, God, and they're wore out. And this, this prayer of a man that was in that type of situation, God, will speak to them and encourage them that, God, you are for us. You are a God that keeps his promises. And, Father, that we can trust in you. In your name we pray. Amen. So the first thing we see in, in, in verse 9 is, is Jacob, he, he, what does he do? He's on his run. He's going to say, hey, God, I just want to remind you, this is what you said. You told me to come here, and now I'm going to have to go face my brother Esau that I've manipulated, I've deceived, and now I'm going to have to face him, and he's promised that he's going to kill me, and God, I need you to save me. I cannot, God, I cannot do this on your own. God, I just want to remind you. The reason I'm here today is because you said, and not that God needs to be reminded of his promises, but at the same time, I do the same thing. I wrote some of the scriptures that I commonly go through when I'm in a difficult situation. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted... He will show you a way out so that you can endure. And so when that's a promise that I go back to God and say, God, I'm in a situation and I'm being tempted, God. And I go back and remind him, God, this is what your word says, and I'm going to stand on that. Another one that I remind God of a promise is Hebrews 4.16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, where, he, we, where we will receive mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And when I need grace and mercy, I, rem- I go back to those, the scripture. And there's promises that we can stand on in God's word. Just as Jacob went back and reminded God what he had told him, we have God's word to stand on in our time of need. And so when you're in a place where you you feel like you're you're in a crisis or maybe a a situation is complex, you can stand on God's word and stand on those promises just as Jacob did. And so Jacob, he he wants to remind God, God, don't, don't forget what you've promised me. And I think sometimes when I get scared and when I have fear, when I don't understand how it's going, that's where I go to and say, God, I need, I need to stand on your promises. That's probably where I should be all the time. Um, sometimes I seem to drift a little bit, and, uh, and then I go back to where, where I should be standing on God's promises. One of those instances of, of our family, we arrived in Burkina Faso, and I've shared many times about struggling with malaria. And they, when you get to Burkina, they go and share the, show you the graves of the missionaries that have died there. It's not so greatly encouraging. Um, there's 13 graves there. Many of those graves are from children who died there. And so we had our daughter Isabel, um, was three months old, and we had made a trip to Bamako, Mali, which we landed in Bamako, which is a dirty, well, not dirty. It's a sandy, uh, a nice word would be, it's a sandy city of about 2 million people uh, in the middle of the Sahara Desert. And um, we didn't know anyone. And we, we got to the place we were staying. And our daughter Isabel at that time struggled with croup. And so if you're a parent and if you've ever had a child with croup, I'm a nurse practitioner, but it's, it was scary. And, um, and she had it several times, but I was in a foreign city by myself, my Heather and myself and Isabel and Isabel can't breathe. And not just like I can't, I'm having struggle breathing, like she's a baby and she can't, she can get, if you've had a child with croup, you know, they can get some air out and then it's, 
And then their lips started, started to turn blue. And there I am as a father thinking, God, you've called me to be a missionary in West Africa. God, you've called me to come to this place. I'm where you've, you've brought me to, God. And this is beyond me. I don't know where to get epinephrine. I don't know where to get all these things. I don't, nobody, I don't know anybody in this town. What am I going to do to care for my daughter at 2 a.m. in a foreign city being all by myself? And that's the time where you go back to the promises and say, God, you called me here. God, you brought our family here. And God, I don't want my daughter to be the 14th one buried in Burkina Faso, but God, I trust in you. And I'm standing on your promises that God, that you are a faithful God and that you can still do the miraculous. And I think when we get in those, sometimes we get in those situations where we're in a crux, we're in a difficult situation. When we stand on that, our confidence is built and our courage grows because we realize God comes through. So obviously, Isabel is alive today, and it, I'd like to tell you it was a, just a miraculous healing like that. It was a long night, um, and it was a progressive healing, if, if it, that was it. But she got better. Mom and Dad, we, we were exhausted, but she was breathing again, and that's what we wanted, standing on the promises of God. So if you're here today in one of those type situations, remember what Jacob did is he went back and he stood on the promises of God. The second thing we see that, that Jacob did was he expressed gratitude and he was gracious for what God had done. Now, sometimes I think in the Christian world, and I grew up in, 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 a, in a great Christian home, and, um, but sometimes we kind of feel like we earn what God gives us. And somehow Aaron, Aaron was a good kid at Wally Ford, and he was a good kid at Ridgely, and he was a good kid at Frankfurt. And so I'm, I'm getting ticks in heaven, and God's just saying, well, Aaron's a good kid, he's a good kid. And somehow I'm earning these things, but the reality of it is all the things that I have in my life are God's blessings, and he has given to me. And the reality of it is, is I might have been a good kid, but it's not God's not up there giving extra credit points and, you know, and saying, wow, he's great. And da, 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 da. I, I really don't believe that. I believe God loves each of us the same. I don't think we make him prouder on a day or less proud on a day. His love is constant. His love is equal. And I, we're thankful to say, God, this is what you've given me. And God, I'm thankful for your graciousness in my life. Now, one of the mistakes that, that I, I frequently drift towards is in my life is sometimes I get this some bit of confidence and, uh, and, and I walk in that and then what happens? Well, then I begin to make decisions on my own and I begin to make lots of decisions. God, you've given me wisdom. I'm a good guy. Da, 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 da. I make decisions. And then it goes haywire and it goes a mess. And then that's why I say, hey, God, I, I need you to come in and, and I've made a mess. And God, I need you um, to come here and fix my situation because, you know, and then I repeat it again, but God has been challenging me in this season of my life to say, Aaron, why don't you invite me in from the beginning? And why don't you invite me in from the beginning before you, when, before you even begin to make decisions, invite, and I should know that. But it's sometimes in, in the Christian maturity, we think, well, I'm mature now. I, I've been walking with Jesus. I got all the brownie points in the world. I, you know, I, I'm going to walk and make these decisions and be led by the Spirit. Sometimes as Pentecostals, we say being led by the Spirit. And sometimes that's more Aaron Sanabar leading himself than it is being led by the Spirit. That's just the reality. But we know the spiritual things to say, and I, and I, can, I can walk in those ways. But just saying, God, listen. God, I want you to help me in this situation. And that's what Jacob does. If you look in, in, the, in, the, in chapter 32 before he gets this place, he's manipulating. He's trying to put things in place and do it on his own and set up a situation so that it, it will work out. And then he realizes, you know what? This is beyond my control. 
I, I'm the, I've tried my best, and it's not working. But if Jacob would have invited God in from the beginning and trusted and maybe prayed this prayer in chapter 31, or maybe he's prayed this prayer in chapter 25, I don't know how this story would have played out and been different. But he chose not to do that. He said, God, I want you to come in and, and the consequences. In common, now I'm not saying Aaron is the only one, but I think in the Christian world we live in today, in the church today, this is very common, that we want to do what we want to do, and then we're going to ask God to come in and clean the situation up. And then I'm going to do what I want to do, and God, I'm going to call you in to clean it up. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and God, I need you to come in and clean it up. He's a gracious father. He loves us and he cares for us, and he will come in and clean it up. He will come in and love us. He doesn't necessarily get rid of the consequences, but he will come. His love is never ending. His love is not going to fail us. He's still going to love us. He's still going to be there, and, and that's not going to disappear. But how would our lives be different, and how would the, the people that we impact might be different if we would invite him in from the beginning. So Jacob says, he expresses, God, he expresses his gratitude to God for his graciousness and his past help. He realizes without God, none of this was possible. The third thing we see is Jacob prays in verse 11 for God's deliverance. He prays for God's deliverance. This is, we're going to camp here just a few minutes longer. Um, Pastor Fred invited me here. He said on the second Sunday of the month, the, the speaker gets like double the amount of time. So I figure, you know, I got till like one o'clock today. So uh, no, I'm just joking. Um, so ho- hold on. So, so, so point number three is that Jacob prayed for God's deliverance. One of the things living in, in, in Africa, and you get these, one of the common things is rats. And so we have rats. When we lived in Madagascar, Kenya, wherever we've lived, we've had rats. And they're not like baby rats. They're like cat-sized rats um, with big tails. And so, um, and then last two, last week or the week before, um, I forget exactly when, but we, they killed a three and a half foot spitting cobra in our yard. And, um, you know, the good thing about spitting cobras is they kill rats. The bad thing is about spitting cobras, they kill people. Um, and so you gotta, you gotta weigh which one you want. Uh, but anyway, so, um, my wife does not like rats. I mean, I don't, I don't like rats either. And so she was gone and um, we had a rat in the house. We normally have them in the roof and they're tolerable in the roof, but when they're in like in the room with you, that's kind of where I draw the line. And, um, so, the thing was in the room, in the room with me. I locked it in the room. Heather was gone, and I thought, when she comes home tomorrow night, i got to take care of this rat, or she's, gonna, she's not going to be sleeping in the same room with me. And um, she's going to be sleeping elsewhere. So, so I'm laying in bed at night, and I hear the thing, and they're not, if you ever slept in a room with a rat, they're not like the most quiet thing in the world. And so it was up on the, like a bed stand we had and banging around, banging around. So I went and got these glue traps. They're supposed to be the humane way to kill a rat. I don't know if there's a humane way to kill anything. Uh, but anyway, I had these glue traps. So I put these glue traps out, the thing, and put peanut butter on it. Evidently, rats like peanut butter. That's what Google said. Um, so I put the, the, put the peanut butter on there, waited for the rat to walk onto this glue and be killed humanely. Um, it was smart enough, didn't do that. So I lay back down, laying in my bed, and um, had the glue traps out, and laying in bed, and the next thing I know, the thing's on my bedside, like right here, is trying to get in bed with me. And so we sleep in mosquito nets to keep the mosquitoes out because of malaria and all that goes with that. And so the next thing I know, this rat begins to climb up the mosquito net. Now, because the mosquito net is, you know, it's a center point, so it begins to tilt, and the whole thing begins to tilt as it climbs up the mosquito net. 
And I'm thinking, you got to be joking me. We have a whole room, and you want to be right here beside me while I'm in my bed. I'd like to tell you I was a man, and I stood up and just said, I'm going to, you know, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to kill this rat. I didn't do that. I just held real still, thinking if I hold real still, he or she won't know I'm here, and everything will be fine. So I'm laying in bed holding, you know, just praying that it'll go away. Well, it gets to the top of the net, and the top of the net is cotton. And evidently, rat's feet don't stick really well on cotton. And the thing falls off the top, and um, Siri's talking to me, and it hits, hits me on the chest, falls down, hits me on the chest, and then I scream like a, I don't know what you would fill in the blank, um, banshee, whatever, but up out of the bed, boom. But anyway, so then I went out and got glue traps for the whole floor, so wherever the rat was at in the room, I couldn't get out of bed, nor could the rat go anywhere, and we caught the rat. I was in a crisis. Now, now, obviously, that crisis was not as big as the one Jacob's in because he thinks his brother's going to kill him. But just to add a little levity to our, to our message today, that was the crisis I was in. But I found commonly that there's, there's certain situations that we run into that God, we pray to him for deliverance, but God does a change in our hearts and maybe changes the situation and not a way that we expected and not maybe the way that we had planned out. Or not maybe the way that we thought it would go. And that's really what's happened in the life of Jacob. He prays for deliverance. And if you read on, if you have time this afternoon, God changed Jacob probably as much as I think he was just hoping God would strike Esau, get rid of Esau, and everything will be awesome. But that's not the way that God chose to do it. It is we pray for God's deliverance. When we get into to these situations, I'm going to give you six of them really quick that we get into that God maybe will choose to do it a different way, and we trust in Him. The first thing is, is we see that uh, many times when we're, we're in the middle of a crisis, that's what we've talked about. Jacob's in the middle of crisis. There's chaos all around us, um, and it fundamentally reminds us that we're not in control. When there's a crisis, COVID has taught us that. Whatever you want to see over 2020, 2021, we've realized we're not in control. We can make plans, but at the end of the day, he's in control and we trust in him. And when we're in a crisis, what do we do? We often pray, God, deliver me from this situation. God, give me wisdom in this situation. God, do a miracle in this situation because it's a crisis. The second thing we see is when we're in a complex situation. Have you ever been in a family situation that's complex? Have you ever worked in a, in a place that's, that's complex? Have you ever been in a... a uh, uh, a church situation. It's complex. It looks like this is the easy answer, and then you realize the older I get, if there was an easy answer, they would have chose that because it was easy answer. And it's not an easy answer. It's a complex situation with a lot of dynamics, and the easy answer is just not clear. Or it, well, that answer will infect, will impact a lot of people. When we get in those complex situations, what do we do? We say, God, we reach out to God and say, God, I need you to deliver me from this complex situation. I want the best for everybody involved. But at the same time, if I do this, it's going to hurt them. If I do this, it's going to hurt them. If I do them, it's going to hurt them. How, God, in this complex situation, how can I share the love of Christ and be a model of a Christian knowing that whatever I do, it's complex? And, God, I need your guidance and direction in those situations. And the amazing thing is, um, he does. The third thing is, I think, when we, we cry out for God's deliverances and we, when we've been betrayed. If you've been in this room today and you've been betrayed, the woundedness and the hurt, hurt that comes from betrayal is unmeasurable. Because the reality of betrayal means that you trusted that person and you were loyal to that person and they weren't to you. Either they, you, you lost, they didn't trust you or they were not loyal to you. 
And so if somebody you don't know and you don't trust and not loyal, and it's really hard for them to betray you, right? Because there's no relationship. You don't, you know, I mean, if somebody walks down the street and kicks me, they've not betrayed me. I don't know who you are. You know, you can kick me. It still would hurt. But, but if it's somebody you know, or if somebody doesn't denies your presence or doesn't help you in a time of crisis or a situation, if they don't do that, it hurts because you feel betrayed. And if you're in this room today and, and you're in a situation that you're, you've betrayed somebody or maybe you have felt betrayed, God is there when we call out for him to deliver us. It might not, and he will deliver us. It might not look how you thought it was going to look. But betrayal is one of the deepest wounds that I've felt in my life, whether that's a team member or a situation. But they're the deepest wounds. And just when I think I'm getting over those wounds of betrayal, they come back up. And I'm, I'm reminded of it. We continue to give it back to God and say, God, I need you to deliver me from these feelings, from these hurts, from this where I'm at. God, I'm going to give it back to you because betrayal is something the enemy will use in our lives. To begin, we'll begin chasing our tails if we do not give that betrayal to him and say, God, deliver me from it. The fourth thing I think we see is when we're lonely. Have you ever been lonely? I've been lonely. I think that's one of the 2020, 2021 has been a time of loneliness. We have we're more connected than we've ever been. We have options for social media. We have all those things that are out there, but people are more lonely than they, they probably ever have been in their life. We have a lot of friends on Facebook, not necessarily so many friends in, in person. And so when I'm lonely, what do I do? Now, I can give in to my temptations because I think a lot of times my temptations in my life come when I'm lonely. Or I can say, God, deliver me from this and begin to stand on the promises that I listed in, 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 in point one. And stand on those and say, God, I need you to deliver me from this, from this temptation, from this loneliness where I'm at. God, I need, I need you now. And God, I want to stand on your promises because this loneliness is overwhelming. And I think that's the advantage and the benefit of the body of Christ is we can be that person for each other. If we're really living in community, we're really trusting each other, we're really growing, there shouldn't be anybody that, that's lonely only by their choice. Now, if somebody chooses to be lonely by their choice, there's nothing you can do. But if there are people that are around them and love them and can care for them and can have it, there is an option, I think that's what the body of Christ looks like. Because there should not be unless they choose it. The, fourth, the fifth thing is, is weariness. I don't know about you, but I have been more weary probably in the last uh, 18 months than I probably have ever been in my life. When there are complex situations, crisis, chaos, loneliness, all this bounds up and you're just, you're just tired. I've been tired spiritually, I've been tired physically, I've been tired emotionally, I've been tired all the way around transitionally, living in one country, trying to move to another country, getting coat, all those things, just wore out, tired, weary. And those are the times when I'm weary and wore out that I reach out to God and say, God, I need you to deliver me. I need some strength today to get through this day. God, I need some wisdom to get through this day because my, my, I'm, I'm mentally, I'm just wore out. God, I need you because I'm wore out. When we're weary, we can reach out to him and say, God, deliver me. And the, and the last one, which might seem a little different, um, is, is when we've, we're, on a, we're on a high point, when we have glory, when everything is going awesome. Because what I've learned in my life, sometimes when I get what I want, it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. And so you, you think, if I can just get this and have this point, and you get to that place, and then you think, you're let down, because it was not what you imagined it to be. And so, and you work, and so sometimes you say, God, I need you to deliver me from this 
striving to achieve something because really what I should be trying to do is draw closer to you and where you walk me in that process. But sometimes in my life, some of the biggest disappointments are when I've reached a sense of accomplishment, whether that's educationally or athletics or whatever it is, and you reach that sense of accomplishment and you're discouraged. And the other flip coin side of this is, Glory, have you ever met somebody that you wish you never met, um, that you actually thought more of them before you knew them than when you got to know them? I just don't, one of my life mottos, true is, is, is I want people to think more of me after they meet me or respect me more than they did before they knew me. But I can tell you there's been people that I really wanted to meet and I really respected them, whether that was they were a media personality or whatever it is. And when I got to know them, I'm thinking, ah, you're disappointing. You know what I mean? I thought less of their character, less of their integrity, less of all those things. And I just had a higher opinion of you before I got to know you. And one of my goals in life is to not be that person. And I say, God, I want you to strengthen me so when I'm in those places of glory or when somebody meets me, God, that they, they see the love of Jesus Christ in the integrity of who I am and you shine through and that they don't walk away saying, I wish I didn't know Aaron Santamire. <laughs> so, um, and then the last, the last point for today is this, is fourth, he proclaimed that the reason he wanted deliverance Jacob proclaimed the reason he wanted deliverance was to fulfill God's purpose in his life. And so my challenge for each of us today, and I've come back to this again and again throughout this year, are you using your your personal natural talents, acquired abilities, and spiritual giftings for God's glory? Are you using your natural talents? What you were born with. Everyone in this room, you were born with natural talents. My brother-in-law, he can fix anything. I, he can fix a car, he can fix a computer. He's got natural talents. I can't fix, I can fix your rash. That's about all I can fix, you know what I mean? Um, with, some medi- with some medicines, I can help you with that. But it, it, my brother-in-law, he can fix anything. A natural talent. Acquired ability, those are the things that education, life experience that you've brought up, that you have acquired abilities, that there's people, that other people don't have, or maybe you've, you've excelled in a certain area. Acquired abilities, what does God given you? And in spiritual giftings, each person, when we accept Jesus Christ, we have spiritual giftings. And God's not up there like with Frisbee saying, oh, I'll give a little bit of this here, a little bit there. And Johnny came to Jesus and we're going to, you know, spiritual giftings. He gives each and every one of you spiritual giftings for you. And when you don't use them, guess what? They don't get used because he's given them to you. And so Jacob is in a place as he's saying, God, I want you to deliver me so I can fulfill your purposes in my life. I want to do, God, what you've called me to do. God, I want to walk in the way you want me to walk. And that's taking his natural talents, acquired abilities, and spiritual gifts, and he's saying, I'm going to follow you. And our challenge in 2021 is, what are you doing to walk in God's purpose? What are you doing today? Not tomorrow, not the next day. What are you doing today to say, these are my natural talents, these are my acquired abilities, these are the spiritual giftings that God gave me when I accepted him? And this is how I'm walking in that to fulfill his purpose for my life. And if you could just do that, and maybe you've said, I've never written those things down. I never thought about it like that. Just write those two or three. What are my natural talents? What do I love to do? What was I born with? What are my acquired abilities? What are my spiritual giftings? And begin to pray on those, those three things and say, God, I want you to let me to walk in your purpose. God, I want you to give me opportunities to use these things for your purpose. And that's my challenge for us today wherever you're at, to walk in the purpose. Just as Jacob said, I want to walk in in the purpose that you've given me. I think when I, just a a word of encouragement, a word that God has spoken to me too about this is, 
I have found myself in the last probably 18 to 24 months overvaluing the things God's not given me and undervaluing the things he has. So overvaluing Curtis. He can sing. If Aaron sang, it'd be probably everybody be like this. You know what I mean? I, that's a gifting that he's not giving me. And I can, I can focus on Curtis. He's got this. That's, I just really want that. He didn't give me that gift. I mean, I can sing loud, but it's not that good. You know what I mean? Curtis can leave worship. He, he's got the gifting. Or I can say, God, this is the giftings that you've given me. And I'm going to value what you've given me. And not look at other people. And not overvalue the things that are out there. But to trust what you've given me. And to value that and be thankful and gracious for what you've given me. And walk in that. And that's been a challenge in my life. And maybe it's an encouraging word for you. Don't overvalue the things God's not, have get, not given you. He didn't give them to you for a reason. But he has given you something. And what he has given you, he's entrusted you with. And he's asking you to be a wise steward of that. And to value that and to hold on to that. And be gracious and thankful for what he's given you. And to walk in that to fulfill his purpose that he has for your life. So we see in the life of Jacob, those four things. We saw that Jacob reminds God of his promise to protect him, um, protect those who follow his will. The second thing we saw is he expressed gratitude. The third thing we saw is Jacob prayed for God's deliverance. And then the fourth thing, he proclaimed that the reason he wanted to be delivered was not so he could go and do whatever he wanted. He proclaimed that he wanted to be delivered so that he could fulfill God's purpose for his life. And I'm, that's my challenge for us today. That we will see the life of Jacob, not try to be him, not try to sleep with a bunch of women and have a bunch of kids and deceive and be jealous and all that. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that we'll see the life of a man in crisis and see a prayer. And if you're here today and you're in crisis, you're in chaos, complexity, lonely, betrayed, weary, that you will see a prayer and you'll take that as a model that you'll reach out to a God who is faithful each and every day. Pastor Fred, you come Thanks, Aaron. That was great. I think we take what Aaron said today. This is this is not Aaron Santmire. This, this is God speaking. I mean, we heard God's word. It was from Aaron's lips, but this is God's word for us. And I think what, what you need to realize is God's got a plan. God's got a purpose for each person here. Sometimes there can be things in our life that hold us back from that purpose. A lot of times it's a crisis. Aaron mentioned a number of things. It could be a crisis situation. You might, you might have had something devastating happen in your life. You might be going through it right now. It could be a complex situation. It could be something that, that there's so many different dynamics and, and strings attached. And, and if I do this, then, then this will happen or, or this won't happen. Maybe you're just tired. Maybe you're wore out. Maybe you've had a measure of success, and the success is keeping you from doing what God's calling you to do. Maybe you've had hurt. Church hurt's probably the worst hurt. Been betrayed by a spouse, a relative, a friend. So I think now's the time 
take Jesus' word, he says in Matthew, he says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and learn from me, and you'll find rest for your weary souls. So if you have something right now, I want you to, each person has a purpose, but if you have something in your life right now, I want you to stand up if it's holding you back from your purpose and what God's calling you to do. I just want you to stand up. I want to pray for you today. If you have something in your life, a crisis, complex situation, betrayal, hurt, tiredness, even success, keeping you from what you know. You, you know, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now, and you know what your purpose, what your calling, what your giftings are. say, Lord, I've allowed this thing in my life to keep me from walking in what you want, what you want me to do. And I want to, I want to step out today in obedience. I want to step out today in faith. And I want to receive all that you have for me. I want to lay this thing down at your feet right now. So if you're standing, I want you to come up. I'm going to have Aaron pray for you guys today. Come on up right now. If you're standing up, I want you to come up where it ends and this is where it starts Father, we thank you that you bring us to a place that, God, every person that has stood up today, God, that this was a divine opportunity, a divine situation that you got, brought a guy from Kenya to here to share a message today to speak. God, that that's not an accident. It didn't just happen by accident, but God, but your Holy Spirit allows us because you love us so much. Father, I pray for each person that has come forward today whether their, their situation is weariness, whether the situation is, is chaos and crisis, whether it's betrayal and hurt. Father, whatever their situation is, Father, we pray for, over the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God, that you will bring healing. God, that you will bring hope. God, that you will bring strength. God, you'll bring courage. God, that they will, they will walk in courage and hope, God, that comes from you. Father, we thank you that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, God, you provided healing in our physical bodies, but also in our in our, in our spirits, God, you provided healing for us in our, in our emotions, all the aspects of our lives, Father, and we proclaim that today. Father, I pray that this is not just a, a time where we come and we say, God, um, we want it to be different, God, but I pray that it is different. God, that, that we say we're going to follow and walk in your purpose. God, these are the natural talents you've given me. God, these are the, the, the spiritual giftings that you've given me. God, these are the things, my experiences, my acquired abilities. God, I'm giving them to you. And Father, I want you to help me to have the courage and the wisdom to walk through those the obstacles that might be there. And God, then I'm going to trust you with the outcomes. God, I'm going to give up control. 
And God, I'm going to have faith in you that what happens is what you have for my life. God, in complex situations where there doesn't seem to be a right or wrong answer, God, I pray for that person today, God, that you give them wisdom. Not human wisdom, not logical wisdom, but wisdom that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, that you give them the the wisdom to take one step, then the next step, and Father, as it continues, God, that you speak to them in a clear voice, in a clear voice that they will know. Father, I pray for, for the person today here that is lonely. God, that you bring someone into their life surround them to stand with them to be with them during this lonely time God that they will feel your strength through the comfort of a a person but that person is representing the comfort that we have in you Father we trust in you and we are thankful for who you are the God that you love each and every one of us God that you use the message about Jacob to speak to our lives in 2021 today of how you care and love for us and we pray it all in the name of Jesus strong son of God Aaron. I think one thing he just prayed when he said, take a step, right? And then God's going to show you. You take a step, and then God's going to show you. You take another step. You got to start. You got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. Hey, God's got great plans. God's got great plans for you guys. This is the start of something new. Excited? Excited. Father, I thank you today for your word, that your word is powerful that your word is alive. Jesus, we serve a risen Savior, and we are excited, Lord, to be able to serve you in this community. Father God, I pray for the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit to fill each person today. Lord, that you would you would just birth new ministries. Lord, just give us avenues to reach people. We can tell them about how great you are. Lord, we give you all the honor, all the glory for everything that you've done and will do. In the name of Jesus. Amen.